0: Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I uh, do these interviews for entrepreneurs, with entrepreneurs, and I wonder if you've had this problem as an entrepreneur yourself. Maybe you have something like this. Someone on my team said, hey, Andrew, what's the criteria for being interviewed? And I said, damn, why are you asking me? It's it's, it's in the Google Doc. I wrote it already. I, I put it into our guide fine i'm not going to say that because that's a jerky thing to say and i went and i looked in the guide myself for it and then i ended up spending like 15 minutes freaking looking for it it turns out it wasn't in the guide it turns out it was on our website and i understand why they would struggle but i don't want to struggle looking for that either well joining me today is an entrepreneur who used to work at google who says you know what this is a search problem i'm equipped to solve it this is a problem that lots of businesses have and even more will have in the future Data is now everywhere. Maybe it's not in the Google Doc. Maybe it's in Notion. Maybe it's actually in Slack. Maybe you've emailed. Who knows? It's somewhere there. And why should you have to interrupt someone else to make them go look for it like they're an old archivist that has to go back in time and figure out how we did things or what we do? Why don't we just have software do it? And so he created a company. It's called Glean. Glean. And what it does is essentially acts like your work assistant. It goes back and looks for that stuff, which is especially helpful if you're a new employee and you don't want to bug people asking questions that should be obvious but are not. And so he did it. It seems like an easy enough problem. It turns out it's not. I invited him here to talk about that. I invited him here to talk about his previous business a little bit, rubric. Rubric. and also how a guy who in India was introduced to PCs through his brother ended up coming here and being involved in two phenomenal tech companies, others in addition, and also creating his own businesses. We can find out about his tech and entrepreneur story thanks to two phenomenal st- uh, startup uh- startups? No, sponsors. Arvin, what am I talking about? Arvind, uh Gusto, which Arvin and I both use to pay our people. Gusto is a great way to pay your contractors, employees. I'll tell you later why you should go to gusto.com slash Mixergy. And if you're hiring developers, I highly recommend that you go check out lemon.io slash Mixergy, but I'll talk about those later because I've talked enough. Arvind, it's good to have you here.
1: Thank you so much, Andrew, for having me.
0: Give me an example of a problem that Glean has already solved.
1: Yeah, like, you know, for for engineers, for example, they want to learn like how the product is built, like what are the different technical components, like how they were designed. And, and, you know, like from in a company, you'll have all of this information sort of spread across so many different systems. Like for example, in our company, we use Google Drive, we use Confluence, we use Jira, Slack, GitHub. And if you think about like all the information about how our product is built, designed, like what practices we follow, uh, how should we write code, it's, you know, spread, this information is spread, spread across all of these different systems. So when new people come in um, for them to sort of just, you know, you know, onboard them to actually, you know, uh, it's really important for them to have quick and easy access to all of this information. Like they should not worry about, hey, you know, where should I be looking for information? Like if you have a question, you know, you want to figure out how to, how to you know, like what editor to use to, to write your code. Like, you know, just ask in one place, you know, like whether the answer was in Slack or an email or in a confluence wiki doc. You know, that should not be their their burden to sort of figure out like in a way to go and look. So that's that's the problem that we solve for people.
0: To me, this seems like an easy enough problem for Google to solve. People trust Google, Google should solve it. And I would think, all right, Google's gonna create something in their G Suite. And then I think back to how when I needed search on my site to search through the couple of thousand interviews that I now have on the site. Google's site search was not good. It was not, and I don't know why it wasn't good, but I know that ultimately it didn't give some of the things that we specifically needed that's different from other sites like searching for the guest name and company name is important, even if I only mention, like I might mention Glean half a dozen times, maybe even five, who knows, but it's important and I'd want to be able to come up with it. And so that was an issue, and others. So I've I've realized that maybe Google can't do that, and a specialty company needs to handle that. What is it? If what are the issues that make this so difficult? Why can't you just take all the data, suck it into one big pile, and then search it? Yeah, that's
1: that's that's a, that's a great question. Um, the so, so, so there are two parts to it. You know, first, you know, you mentioned like why don't you suck all the data into one, you know, like in one giant system and make it searchable. So that that problem itself is hard. Because you know, like as a as an as a company, you are using, you know, maybe hundred or even a thousand different uh, applications, um, SaaS applications, and connecting to them, pulling data from them and putting it into your search system, it requires you to build all of those integrations. Right. And it's not just Google, like you know, as a company, you know, yes, you use Google or Microsoft as your core productivity suite, but you're using you know many applications from many other vendors in addition to that. So that's 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 the first problem, like to actually even just get hold of the data itself is 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 a big problem and you need to actually build 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 uh build technologies to sort of you know go and get that data in but the second part is that the uh it's not enough to just look at you know these documents find the words in them and then just you know uh, give you a keyword based uh search experience on top of that you need to understand Many different things about this, This, um, the, you know, all the data that you have. Uh, I'll, I'll just talk about two things. One, mm-hmm. the you need to understand what content is actually still relevant versus not. What content is popular? What content was, you know, something that somebody wrote just for themselves versus a content that is being written, you know, for the mm-hmm. purposes of disseminating to your entire organization. So you just have to understand the importance of different pieces of content. You also have to understand people and what their information needs are. So, uh, for example, in our company, we have both engineers and marketing people. We also have salespeople, mm-hmm. and when they're looking for something, um, for example, if they're looking for an onboarding guide, it's a, you know depending on who they are, you need to pre- you know present them with a different result because the salesperson uh, is looking yeah. for a sales onboarding guide, an engineering person is of course looking for an engineering guide, right? So you have to understand you have to understand who the people are in the company. You have to also understand the content, like, you know, who's this content relevant for and use this enterprise knowledge graph that's what we call it, to actually bring the most relevant answers to people.
0: Yeah, because when I think about it, even persuading for a salesperson is different than persuading for a marketer, right? Someone who's just in charge of the website has a different type of persuasion. They're trying to introduce the product. Someone who's in a sales call might need to understand the company and it's different. You understood this because of rubric, I'm guessing. You had a problem there? Yeah. I mean, I what is, think what is rubric? A, and what before we get into the problem, how yeah. would you describe rubric?
1: So Rubrik is also an enterprise software company that we started in early 2014. And the the problem that we solved there was we made it easy for businesses to keep their data safe. You know, see, like there's you know so many reasons why. Like, you know, for a business, it's important, obviously, you know, you know, to keep all of the data safe and many things can go wrong. Like, you know, you know, you can your systems, you know, may, you know, fall apart or or somebody may by mistake, you know, delete data or you have an attack, a security attack, you know, which sort of, you know, it's holding you, you know, ransom and the in any all of those situations, like, you know, our product is was meant to sort of, you know, help you have a, like an extra copy of your data so that you can go back, you know, like if anything bad happens. So that was the business there, help a business, keep the data safe. And, um, in some, you know, you can think of it as a data protection company. In that
0: can sense. you give me a sense of what the revenue is at Rubrik? I know you're not there day to day, but where, would are we looking at? Tens of millions enterprise sales revenue?
1: Uh, Rubrik is actually, uh, so uh, I don't know the exact numbers at this point and not, neither are we allowed to share that fully, but but it's, you know, it's definitely over uh, hundreds of millions of dollars.
0: And you were a co-founder of that business? Yes. Okay. And so you were starting to tell me how you experienced the problem there. How did you experience it? Yeah.
1: So as as we found success in um, at Rubrik, we started to grow, um, you know, uh, rapidly as as a company. And within four years, we had almost like a thousand people in the company. And one of the things that we noticed as as we saw that fast growth was that people were not as productive as they were when we were small. And um, like for example, we would look at, you know, like how many, you know, lines of code are we writing every day. And you know, it's like, you know, like the, the headcount is going like this, but okay. the like, you know, the sort of the like the amount of, you know, work that we get done sort of stays flat or, you know, just, you know, rises, uh-huh. you know, at a much slower pace. And so, we, so we, we wanted to, you know, to figure out, like, you know, what's wrong, like, why, what is coming in the way of people's productivity? And, and we would do uh, um, these company-wide surveys, you know, pulse surveys, ask people um, what were the problems that they were facing. And the number one, people, number one problem that uh, people would always cite was, uh, hey, I can't find anything in this company. I don't know where to go and look for information that I need when i need you know when i need
0: like it. what and so they would say they can't do their jobs because they can't find information
1: yeah and and also uh, not just information but also hey when i need help i don't know who to go and ask for help
0: okay so can you give me an both- example of something that they wouldn't know who to go and ask for help for i, I imagine the people just in- initially just go to the person they work for and say i don't know this thing where do i find it and then that person goes and hunts it down or something
1: yeah. So, I mean, like, yeah, that, you know, some, you know, I, I guess you, you, you can do that. But I think as, as, you know, like typically as a, as an employee, I don't actually burden my manager. With, right. Hey, like I have this need, I have that need and like, you know, just keep them busy. Like I won't actually find these things myself. For example, as an engineer, um, you know, say that I'm actually having difficulty um, running, running a system now. So I need to know like who are the experts who know how to sort of, you know, set this up, how to run it. Okay. And the engineering team has 400 people. I don't. I don't exactly know who's you know who's you know who's okay. you know, who should I go and ask. Um, similarly, um, the uh, and 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 the thing is that yes, you know you can actually always ask people. But the first thing you know as as an you know as an employee, like you don't actually find out if you can if you can help yourself if you can actually okay. go and you know search and find the answers. And 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 when it comes to that, like suddenly you don't know like you know hey should I be looking for you know, this piece of information in, in Google Drive or yeah. in Slack, you know, see if there was any past conversations on this topic or should I be looking in Confluence, which is our wiki, or in Jira where we have stored all the past issues. So it sort of, you know, so it starts to get complicated when you have when you have lots of people, when you have lots of applications, like, you know, this this need of like, you know, hey, I need information or answers, it becomes hard. So why so did you decide was, uh, you to creep?
0: Why create a company then? You saw that problem there. You had what over a thousand people at the time, right? Yeah. Uh, why did you decide I'm going to go and create a company around this instead of saying I'll fund somebody else and I'll f- stick with what I'm doing?
1: So, well, I mean, I'm not an investor, first of all. So, that, so, so keeping that aside, the 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 when when this when we saw this problem, it was not our first thought that hey, we should go and create uh, another company with that. Like we were actually you know quite busy building rubric as a business, which was, you know, growing very rapidly and we were, you know, quite successful there. So our the first thing that we tried to do was, hey, let's go and try to, you know, buy a product for this. Like, again, like you said, you know, I've I, I worked on, you know, search for most of my career. And the first thing then when people say, I can't find things, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is, hey, let's go and build a good search product. So we tried to buy one, you know, like, let's go and buy a search product. This is like, this is, this should not be, you know, wh- you, know, have, you mm-hmm. know, hard and this is not a, problem that you know just we are
0: facing if google is indexing the world's information this is such a small part of the world it should be much easier
1: exactly and 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 it's a problem that every company faces not just us right so so we went out you know on that uh, search for you know a product that we could buy and that's when we realized that there was nothing to buy nothing Mm -hmm. nothing nothing that would actually solve our problem and solve it without us doing a lot of work ourselves which we didn't have you know resources for so so sort of like started that way. And as we dig deeper and and like, you know, the the first year when we saw this problem, like, you know, we didn't actually really solve it. We did another survey and the problem came comes back again, you know, at the top. And, you know, which is when we say, hey, like, we really got to solve this problem. And, and you know, we started to talk to a bunch of other companies to figure out what they were doing. And like, long story short, like, basically we found out that here's, here's this problem. It impacts every worker in every company in the world. And yet it has no attention in the market. Yeah, And so we felt, you know, we could have a big impact here by solving this problem, not just for Rubrik, but for everybody else. And that's sort of what led to the creation of Clean.
0: Arvind, why do you think, how long did you spend at Google? You were... I was there for over a decade. Over a decade. Why do you think that Google never got into that? They dabbled in desktop search to let you search your own computer, and then they seem to have moved on past it. They never seem to have gotten into this. What do you know about both those
1: Yeah, so actually Google had another product. um, It used to be called the Yellow Box, the Google search appliance uh, back in the day. Ah, right. And
0: that was for companies' own data? for like a search
1: of data. Yeah. So they had, had, you know, worked on that. I mean, ultimately, like Google has so many things that it does. And I think that that was the thing that engineers at the company probably didn't find the most exciting thing to work on. Um, but 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 more importantly, there was some there is something about this problem like so, solving, you know, making your business business data searchable was an extremely hard problem to solve in mm-hmm. the past. Um, before business technology moved to SaaS based cloud applications, it used to be very complicated and customized for each business. So you know, if you build a search product like Google had Google had an search appliance, but google could not figure out like how to actually get all that data that a business has and put it into their system so their product was different they would say that hey you know here's a here's a here's an appliance you it's your task to you go and push data into it and then we'll oh, make it search for you that's
0: how it works you know what i used to see that it was a beautiful looking box it was like one of those thin servers uh, that goes into your cold room which by the way now that we talk about it like that it seems a little dated but yeah. I, I guess I never even thought of how businesses at the time kept their own data. They weren't in SaaS. Okay, got it. Because yeah. I was I was in SaaS already at that point. All right, so that was an issue. But eventually, they they realized that everything is SaaS. Google started creating these SaaS products. I don't even think I could let my team search through all their chat history and Gmail and Google Drive together. There's not a single G Suite search as far as I know.
1: Yeah so I think the uh, so yeah so, so so yeah so as the world moved to cloud based applications now it's finally becoming possible for you to build a product where you don't have to go and spend like 6 months or 1 year at a business trying to sort of get hold of their data and put it into your search system right so so it's finally feasible to build a product that works you know across businesses because there is you know there is that consistency now where you know, all the businesses in the world, they're sort of using these standardized SaaS applications that have, you know, standard of APIs that you can actually use to pull data. So, so like, again, but coming back to Google, like, again, it's a, like, in my opinion, like, you know, know, Google, Google has so many great products and so many initiatives that they're to work on. And I think it's it's a matter of prioritization and like, probably this effort just doesn't fit into, into their, um, into their overall plans.
0: Okay, so you realize this needs to be a thing. You decide that you're going to be the person tackling it because it's so big. Um, as an introvert yourself, you realize, okay, I wouldn't want to go and talk to others. I bet there are others in companies that don't want to go and do that kind of put myself out there request yeah. all the time. Yeah. And so the first version, what did you build and and how did it go?
1: So uh, the, the first version of the product was... Um, what well, is is a search engine, so you know what it does is it it connects with um, some of the most popular cloud based SaaS applications. The
0: very first version connected with them, or was the first version just like a Slack search?
1: No, so even the so see like the the way you you know build a startup is you have to find a few customers who are facing this problem. So of course okay. you know like my I, I already knew that in my previous company. Rubrik was facing it. So they were okay. one of our early customers. Uh, and then there were a few more. So we worked with those companies. We figure out, hey, where is all your enterprise content and knowledge? What applications are you using? And we've we figured out that there were about 10 applications that were uh, across these customers, you know, where they had most of their data stored. So then the first version of our product, we built connectors to those 10 applications. And, and build, in, build a search experience uh, uh, okay. over, over, over those apps. And, and and then, you know, we give the product to these companies. They start to use it. You know, people, people loved it. They, you know, gave us- They product. loved
0: it. Even that first search, the first version was good enough?
1: Yeah, it's actually- Well, I mean, see, so we actually took our time. Like, you know, it's not- We didn't, we didn't give them something that doesn't work. See, it's the interesting thing about a product like search. You know, people have very high expectations. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you, you've been using Google search for so many years, and it's awesome, right? It works so well and you can't go like you know we knew that we could not go and give people a subpar product that that was so always to, a problem in this space to uh, make
0: it where, re- yeah to make it really good though one of the things you told uh, our producer here at Mixergy was that you would kind of go and do searches on their behalf and then give them the results that they were looking for is that right like a like what uh, eric reese might have called the concierge mvp um or am I but, misunderstanding that?
1: Yeah, no, I think maybe maybe. so like the way it works is that see, we build this product and is it's, you know it's, so the, the way the product works is that it actually connects with all of your enterprise applications, it pulls mm-hmm. data from them, it has put it into our search index and it has made it searchable. But okay. in, in addition to that, what we're also doing is we're actually trying to understand what people are doing in your inter- in in the company already. you know we, we actually look for like what are the things they're already searching for. What are they actually, you know, once been and you know searching for not just in our system but all in the native applications ah, as okay. an example, right? And and we learn from all of those behaviors. We learn from like the questions that people have asked in Slack and how other people have answered those questions. And the goal of the product is on day one it has to sort of, you know, uh, benefit from all of these interactions and activities that have happened over the past in that company, so that yeah. you you give a a you know learned experience. On day one to the product. It has to be, it has to be, that's that, that was our bar that when we actually give a search product to to our users, it had to be excellent on that day one for them.
0: Like, and so hmm. it was manually teaching the software, not manually getting the search results for employees. It was manually going in and saying, what are the top questions that we're getting? What's the best way to get those answers? We're gonna code that in to search. Exactly. where we're doing the search and pulling that information. What are some of the top questions that businesses would ask that you'd see?
1: Um, so like some things which are really common is, you know, people people are always looking for other people, you know, uh, so that's that's one like mm. really popular.
0: Like search. who's the CEO or who would know this? Sometimes thing.
1: it's the name of people or they will say like, you know, who's an expert on on, on a given topic. Got um, it. Um, there are a lot of, you know, there are a lot of questions around uh, looking for um, so, and, you know, sort of changes from team to team. So engineers, for example, one of the most common things that they are looking for is, you know, they, they, they're getting a, like they're doing something and they get an error code, something's not working. And then they're going to take, you know, that sort of system error message, and they're going to put it in the search box and try to see, hey, did somebody right. else run into it? How did they work around it? So that's sort of, that's a very common query. So it depends, like every, every, Every persona, every every employee in a company, like, you know, they will have, you know, some searches, you know, that dominate their their attention for, for, for salespeople, for example, they will, they will do a lot of queries around product roadmap, Hey, you know, you know, does our product support this feature or not, those are sort of, you know, the common questions there.
0: I wouldn't have thought of that, but product roadmap would be really helpful for a salesperson. If you can say no, but we are working on that. It's much better than, no, we don't have that. Yeah. You know what? I should take a moment and say, my sponsor is Gusto. Arvin, do you use Gusto right now? Yes, I do. You do? Why yeah. do you like Gusto? Gusto pay is
1: great to me. Like it works for us. Like, you know, it does so many things for us and it's easy. Like, you know, it's just, yeah,
0: it's a great tool. It's just such a beautiful, simple tool. And the reason I say beautiful, simple all the time, I think people who listen to me might not know, why do I care about the beauty of something that's just supposed to pay your employees, your contractors, whether they work in the U.S. international? It's because... A lot of the software just overly built, too many things hidden, and the truth is, when you want someone to get paid, you want to do it as quickly as possible and be sure that they get paid, and you don't want to know, you don't want to wonder, are they going to get paid next week? today, tomorrow. It's not like I'm trying to make money on the float. Just pay them and make it easy for them to know that they could reassure, they could be assured that their money is coming in. Anyway, if you're out there listening to me and you've heard me say this, you've heard my past guests say it over and over. My guests have said that they use Gusto. Or frankly, at some point, Arvin, once they go public or they have thousands of employees, they're honest and they say, we don't use it anymore or we just don't use it. But when they're in that startup world they tend to use gusto which is why i'm grateful to gusto for sponsoring because frankly they don't even need to they they've got my audience already but if you're paying using a different system and you want to start to transition into gusto now's a great time to do it if you've been paying people with maybe you've got a new company i don't know what you're paying them with quickbooks or whatever go try gusto i'm gonna let you try for free if you use my url it's available for you for a limited time if you go to gusto.com slash mixergy handle payments to contractors and employees, handle benefits so much more, and have a human being there ready to talk to you. Gusto.com slash Mixergy. Um, you reached out to a few companies, like you told our producer, outreach.io, .io, Confluent. Um, I'm thinking of a few others. But essentially, when you were talking to them, Arvind, did you say, we want to build it? If we build it, will you sign up? Will you be our first beta customers? Will you commit to integrating it? What did you say? How did you get them... To let you know that they wanted to be partners with this.
1: Yeah, so the first first thing is we we when we talk to these companies, we ask them like you know was this a problem for them? Like mm-hmm. are are their employees complaining to them that they're not finding information, that they're struggling to keep track of all the information spread across so many tools? So once you know once once these you know companies say that yes you know this is a problem for us, um, then we tell them that hey like if you were to build this product, would you go and use it? Um, and and of course, you know, all these companies said yes, and that's why they were in our, you know, in our early access program. Um, and and then then we worked worked with them. The 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 next step is to sort of understand from them what their environments are, what are the applications they're using, and then we prioritize those in our in our development. And ultimately, when we build the product, um, we would take it to them first. Like you know, whoever we work with, like you know, like a, just a small number of people at these companies, uh, we would. Make sure that you know they get to test drive the product, they like it. And once they feel like, hey, like yeah, this is this is this is working great, then we sort of roll it out to the rest of the company.
0: We talked before we got started here recording about how a past guest here created a similar product for SMBs. SMBs tend to be on Slack, tend to be using Asana, tend to be using Notion now, Google Docs, search for all those, give them answers. It seemed like the type of thing that an individual, or a company, could just sign up for, connect, have their answers, and then evangelize to the rest of the company. You, s- they're not doing it anymore. You said there's an issue with doing it that way. You know, the Slack down-up approach. What's the issue with that?
1: Yeah. So, so one thing is that see, our company content is actually spread across many, many different applications, mm-hmm. and if you put the burden of like connecting each one of your company applications, you know, with the search product, that's a, that's a lot of work that you're asking end users to do. And oftentimes they won't get it right. Like people don't have patience. Like, you know, like I, I don't have, you know, I don't have the time to invest, you know, uh, you know, in like, you know, doing all this work in a product that I actually have not yet, you know, gotten any benefit from. So that's sort of one thing. Like it's just mm-hmm. hard for like to rely on individuals to actually do a lot of heavy, lip, you know, heavy lifting ahead of time before they can actually start to see the benefits of the product. So, so you want to make it easy for them. That's number one. Number two, search as a problem is it's not an individual, uh, individual, in, individual problem. It's actually you have to learn from overall company behavior. See, think about this. What makes Google search so good? What makes it so good is that there are like you know, like millions of people, you know, you know, obviously billions of people using the search product every day. And Google is learning constantly from them. Like, you know, you, 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 you search for something and, you know, you see like, you know, you know, these four results here and, you know, you say, Hey, the second one is the best one. I'm going to click on that. And, and then you have like, you know, let's say, you know, 10,000 people have done that. And now, you know, there you go. Google actually now knows that, Hey, the second one was actually better than the first one and they should, you know, flip the order. So, so this is a very important part of search. Like search is a team, it's a team game, like you know, where a lot of people are seeking information, a lot of people are, of course, providing information, and you need to understand what matters more to whom. And only with that broad sort of understanding, you know, of 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 like your company or people, um, are you able to create the best experience. So that's why it's important. It's important to actually set the product up for everybody all at once.
0: Uh, I see. So I I understood the part before we started about how individuals can't sit and connect to all the different apps. Some apps won't even let you connect into them Mm -hmm. unless you're the admin of the app. Yeah. But then I guess you're also saying some of the data that you want, you may not even have access to because you may not be in that in that software. It's just not something that the company sets you up with. But I hadn't thought about also the other side, which is every time someone in the company uses the data, they're also informing the software about what is valuable and what's not valuable. Got it. And they're voting on it, which then informs software even more. Yeah. Okay. And then I'm guessing then that by going to enterprise, you also get better direct feedback from the from your customer. Yeah, I mean that's
1: that that's a good that's a good um, feature as well, right? Where you actually get to first work with um, your, the customer, you know, who, you know who could be the CIO, as an example. And, um, you, and, and you know, they are your partner in this journey. They're, they're the ones who are actually first, like, making sure that everybody, in, you know, in their company learns about this. So we, you know, yeah. at once, like, you know, we work with one person, you know, we spend the time with them, but then we get, like, like a thousand users all at once, right? You don't have to actually acquire them, you know, one one at a time. And, and of course, like, you know, you know, since there are, there are our champions, there are our partners, you know, we get like awesome feedback, which is synthesized, collected by them and, you know, shared back with us. So, yes, yeah, so that's a, that's a, that's a great, you know, that's an awesome benefit of, you know, of this strategy.
0: Okay. And so as you're, as you're talking to them, what did you learn that you didn't expect? So, um, the, so one, one, um,
1: Interesting learning for us was that while you know this is such a important problem, like you know to me, for example, there's nothing more important than this. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm biased maybe in that way, but this is a problem that absolutely you know has to be solved. Like you know, people people need to be able to find answers to their questions. Like it has to be, it's got to be easy for them. But the when you go and talk to enterprises, one of the things that actually becomes a sticky point is that this system now has is connected to all of your enterprise applications it has all the data you know or like parts of the of that data mm-hmm. inside it so it becomes a security risk for companies and so we we anticipated that you know there will be questions around that and we built our product you know uh, accordingly like you know you know it's very secure um, but but we we saw that this was actually an even bigger, bigger problem than than what we anticipated so there is a, so, you know, so like whenever we go and sign a new customer, like, you know, we are, we actually have to spend a lot of time uh, working with security teams, uh, explaining to them why, you know, this, you know, our product is built the right way so that they feel comfortable, you know, on that front.
0: Yeah, I feel like the fact that you worked at Rubric before must, and Google before, it must give you a lot of credibility. You're talking about sucking in such important company data that people would, would hesitate even if a company that's well known had jumped into the space.
1: That's true. So you have to, yeah. And so it's it's a, uh, yeah. I think you know that that part helps. You know that we have the right experience. You know our team has worked at the right companies uh, before, and we understand enterprise and how sensitive, you know, uh, protecting data is uh, for a company. Um, so so that has definitely helped. And then 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 of course like we've actually from day one. We've spent a lot of time on this on this particular issue. We have made sure that the system is built in a very lockdown fashion, where you know it's hard to sort of get into it by an attacker. Um, we um, have built like an innovative sort of deployment strategies where a company can, for example, they don't have to worry about trusting us with the data. Like you know, we let them actually run the entire system within their own environment, so that nothing leaves. You know, you know uh, their own uh, you know tech environment in that sense. You know, while we still you know fully manage it for them, so so we've we've spent a lot of time uh, sort of solving for this concern and and innovating on the tech front to to find. And and I think so. Ultimately, you know, that has worked out well for us.
0: Did you get your customers from LinkedIn? I kind of assumed that you just go back to the Rubric customers who knew you and said you liked us when we were saving your data from uh, ransom uh, attacks and all other things. Would you consider doing this thing? But no, you went and got cold outreach on LinkedIn.
1: When you when you when you start a company, the um, it's it's very important first to to actually work with. Real customers, not not customers who are who may potentially also be your friends, because you may get wrong signals. Like if you actually go mm. and exercise your relationships and get people to say, "Hey, like you know, buy this product or try this product out," they will do it, you know, as, as a favor to you. Um, but but you learn learn wrong things from that. Yeah. Like you may you may start to think that hey, oh, actually this product makes sense. You know, like you know, like you know, we got like you know twenty people already have bought this, but. Um, so that you know, that's the thing that we really wanted to avoid when we were building this product. We wanted to make sure that we go uninitiated, like you know, in in these conversations where we want to actually we want to learn, like how big this problem is, and we want to learn from people who don't know us. And so that that was the reason why we uh, we actually chose to um, do cold outreach to people because that gives us the best signal on how big this, how important this problem is, how how much top of mind it is for people.
0: What do you have now, 40 customers, something like that?
1: Yeah, I have about 50 customers, yes.
0: I went to the pricing page on your site and you do what every enterprise company does, which is say, uh, get a demo, talk to our people. Yeah. How do you charge? Do you charge on a per person basis? Do you charge based on data that you collect? Yeah, so our
1: pricing model is actually quite simple. Uh, We charge uh, for every active user that uses the product uh, per month. And it's a fixed fee and it doesn't matter how much data, there is in the system or how many searches a person is doing uh is just a flat fixed price per user per
0: as long as they're searching and if they stop searching because of then because of the fact that they're not the company or just don't like it you don't charge automatically
1: right so yeah so it's basically standard like that's how like, what do
0: you charge per seat per search yeah.
1: so that's uh that's that's uh it sort of you know depends the Um, depends also on the size of the company and all, but like our standard pricing is $20 a user a month.
0: Okay. All right. And truthfully, I was going to ask you your revenue, but I should say to people, I, I check in with the guest before he told me the revenue, but you don't feel comfortable saying even like over a million or under, right? You just, you'd rather avoid the whole thing.
1: I mean, it's fine. Like, you know, we are, we are certainly over a million, but yeah, we don't, we don't share the exact numbers right now. I understand.
0: Meanwhile, your other company, um rubric is what, $3.5 billion business? Rubric at this
1: point rubric. is a much larger business, of course. Huge. Uh, yeah.
0: Can you imagine? And you know what? And I would have thought that these businesses would have been started by somebody who grew up waiting their whole lives to be an entrepreneur who builds a multi-billion dollar business. You're smiling as I'm saying this and trying to hold back. But in reality, that's not you. You grew up just wanting to be a like a coder, a developer. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, the...
1: Like I, I, definitely didn't like. See, like I've gone like in terms of like you know. Sometimes you know I would have this desire that hey I, I want to be an entrepreneur, but but I, I think it was not always you know uh, top of mind for me. I was not actually like hunting for a problem, trying to actually figure out how to go and start a company. Um, like my, the
0: type of, my, you grew up in the in the time that Bill Gates. Had kind of put his stamp on the business world and the tech world. Did you grow up like admiring Bill Gates? Did you grow up wanting to be like him at some point? <laughs> that's a
1: it's a great question. Of course, you know uh, most people in my generation probably admire you know admire admire Bill Gates. I mean, you know, he was mm-hmm. I mean, like like you know his impact on the world is just amazing. Like bringing a computer to every single person, like that's such a, such a bold vision and like you know making it actually happen. So that's that's amazing. So so that, so most definitely, uh, like he was he was a role model role model for for me. Uh, but again, like I said, you know, like I was not uh particularly uh thinking about being an entrepreneur. Um, like as I was going through my career, uh, the 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 the, the more important thing on my mind was uh getting to work on great products, having big impact, and and luckily, like you know, my, like the jobs I had, um, especially at Google, um. It gave us like, you know, so, so much, you know, awesome opportunities to build products like, you know, Google search or maps or YouTube, which I you're working on all those projects. yeah You
0: know, let me take a moment here and then I want to come back and find out a little bit about your background. Mm-hmm. The second sponsor is lemon.io. When you're looking to hire developers, lemon has got you covered with phenomenal developers at a lower price than you can get anywhere else. I could tell you go hire from them, but you're not going to, what you're going to be more open to is including them in the mix. So I'm going to say this to you. If you're looking for a developer, if you have a project that your team doesn't have time to work on, doesn't have the expertise to work on, if you have a project that you need some extra help on, I urge you to go and just talk to Lemon.io. This will not involve putting a job search. It will not involve putting a, paying for any job listings and writing. It'll involve you having a conversation with somebody at Lemon.io, and they will understand your problem, introduce you to people if you want to hire, great. If not, move on. But I think you're going to really be amazed by the quality of their developers. And frankly, I shouldn't emphasize this too much, but it's important if you're running a business, the price is reasonable. Go to lemon.io slash Mixergy and they'll even make it more reasonable by chopping off a bit of their price in the beginning of your agreement with them. Go to lemon.io slash Mixergy to get that and to get more details. And frankly, just have a conversation with them. And if you know somebody who needs a developer, urge them to check out lemon.io slash Mixergy. So, yeah, you ended up working after graduating at Microsoft. What did you do at Microsoft?
1: I was a software developer. I worked on the Windows um, uh, operating system. It used, mm-hmm. it used to be called Windows NT at that time. And ah, so this is like, the
0: server software, right?
1: Yeah, it was actually the, the actual Windows system. And okay. I mean, yeah, so they had a home version and then they had a professional version. So this was a professional version. Version. So okay. I, I worked on some of the core sort of uh, uh, under-the-hood kind of components of that system.
0: And then at the height of the dot-com era, you worked for Akamai. Akamai was about making websites faster by taking their content and spreading it out across the world so that it, the, the content was closer to the consumer of that content, right? Yes. What did you learn by being there at that at that great period and then at that difficult period with them? This was 99 to 2002.
1: Yeah, it was a it was an amazing experience for me. So the first thing was like you know going from the the largest software company in the world to to one of the smallest ones, you know, like twenty people or so. I mean, that was like it was such a night and day kind of experience, you know. Um, you know, for me, um, it was a place you know where I really learned how to um, like how how to you know build the product from a very early stage. How to actually understand. You know that the whole process of building a product and building a company, because mm-hmm. you know this was this was the very first time where I was not told what to do. You know, in this company, you know, I go in, and interestingly, nobody's telling me that hey, like you should go and work on you know uh,
0: this this bug or this feature. How would they present a project to you, or how would you find something to work on?
1: Yeah, so it was an interesting thing. So I so I, I, I distinctly remember my first day. Like you know, I, I walk in and I and I'm sort of waiting for somebody to pick me up and. Tell me that, you know, like, you know, this is your seat and this is your manager and, and, you know, he's going to tell you what to do. No, no, none of that happened. Like nobody, nobody met me. I had to actually just go and ask people around like, <laughs> Hey, like, you know, what am I supposed to be doing here? And, and people said, yeah, just go and meet people, learn, learn about the company, learn about the product and see like, you know, what sort of, like what catches, you know, your, like, you know, interest and, and start really,
0: something. did that work as like, like a productivity management technique?
1: I mean, actually, it worked. I mean, so this was a, this this was the first time I experienced this, and then and then of course at Google, Google was always like this, where like you know engineers would come in and they would just get to choose what what they wanted to work on. Like everybody had full freedom to just you know pick whatever projects they worked on. So yeah, it, it actually it, it, it's interesting. You know, it, it 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 definitely works in the early stages of a company because when when you are uh, like folks who join company at a very early stage, you know they're very motivated. They want to actually learn all of this stuff. They want to learn how to, you know, take business problems and convert them into real products and business, Mm -hmm. right? So so they want to go through that learning experience. It works for them. Uh, Ultimately, of course, you know, you know, like the, once you grow beyond a certain scale, um, you you have, you have to bring in more processes. um,
0: uh, So what did you end up working on at Akamai?
1: So at Akamai, the, my, my, I started the, um, the team that would actually help companies serve videos over the internet so so before uh, like yeah. when we joined akamai um the first product was basically you know it would made it would make um companies serve their web pages faster to their users, but there's no media element video on the internet mm-hmm. was actually so hard at that time like there was almost no bandwidth, and typically you would get to like put like a tiny like a video thumbnail on on a page and so so and it was you know still incredibly hard so that so that was our first product that i worked on which is how do you actually enable um sites like cnn.com like to put videos on their site so and so our network uh, of servers across the world would actually serve those videos to end users um without putting you know all that load on the cnn.com web server so that that was the product. Got it.
0: okay and then you went off and you became one of the founding engineers at riverbed tech um mm-hmm. This was for about a year. Mm-hmm. Again, an, a young company. Why'd you move on from there to to Google, where you stayed for what ten years, eleven years?
1: Yeah, I mean, for Google, uh, I, 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 no, I just love Google Search as a product. It was So so phenomenal, and and I know like most of most of the people who I know, like the best people, uh, best engineers that I knew of, uh, they were they were all going and joining Google, you know, and 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 working there. So so it it had that like sort of a like, you know, uh, like I, I had that fascination about about that product and, and I really wanted to work on it. So that's that's why I decided. This
0: was a year before the IPO. People by then had realized as consumers how hot Google was, as business people, how hot the business was, and as engineers, how good they were to their developers, right? And how, how their developers were both engaged in the community outside of Google and also getting to work on cool projects. So you got in at the height. And yep. then you stayed there yeah because all of us
1: is google you know uh it was an amazing company i mean the i i like you know I never experienced um you know like you know this this was actually my fourth job and I, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd never seen a company like that like first like like, what, you what did
0: you what did you love about it back then take me into the world of google back in 2003 four five. yeah So, so first, like the, you know,
1: the company had amazing people, like everybody who you would meet, you would just be wowed by like, you know, like their accomplishments and, and how smart they were. And it was just like, it was, it's always like, you know, when you, when you work, if you're surrounded by colleagues who, who you can respect, like who are amazing, like that's, 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 the, that's the number one thing. So like, you know, really love that part of, you know, about the company. Second was the freedom and the trust that it would place on its engineers. So before before Google, like you know sometimes I used to think about like you know hey you know is, is software like being a software developer that was not considered the like the senior or the more impactful position like you know as a software developer, you're supposed to just do what your managers or your product managers will tell mm-hmm. you to do and 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 the company hierarchy would sort of seem like that, but Google was actually the reverse where engineers rule the ruled the company. Like you, you, nobody, nobody could tell you what 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 you had to work on. You had to figure it out yourself. All the innovation, all the great ideas, it would come from engineering. And people had mm-hmm. full freedom. Like you could. You What's could an example
0: decide. of something that you worked on that was especially fulfilling and exciting?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it was, just like, it was such a such a different culture. Like you know, it was very unique. I like mean, what, now, what did
0: you work on in the early days? Uh, say that again. What did you work on in the early days that was exciting?
1: Yeah. So initially, we just worked on search. I mean, we didn't have other products. So I worked on okay. um, the core search infrastructure pieces. Like uh, the, my first project in Google was to to make sure we could actually, you know, take you know, build a search index and push it to all of our servers around the world. So I actually okay. sort of focused on that part
0: first. And then over the years, what's the thing that you are most excited and proud of?
1: Yeah. I mean, so after like after after two years, um, I was actually given the responsibility to lead google india build our operations um, in india and lead them and uh. the and as part of that like so and and again like in, in true google's fashion like we were not told what to do there like you know other than the fact that hey go there and build a large team like we, okay. we were not given any you know direction okay. on what, what to do with that team so so like as we started to build that um, build, build our r&d operations we had to figure out hey what to do you know what should we do here and so the first thought that had crossed our mind was like, you know, let's make sure that all of our products work very well in our, you know, in, in the country. Right. And also in like you know, in the emerging markets. And it and it was actually it was it was sort of revealing in the sense that we saw that, hey, even Google Maps, like, you know, it's a primary product for Google, it just didn't work, you know, in almost any country in the world. It only worked in like wow. 10 countries in the world.
0: But Arvind, they specifically said to you, just go there and build out our team. Yeah. If you were excited about maybe adding more developers to the google map in the us and not in completely ignoring india they would have been okay with it they would have said arvin decided that, that the google map software needs more engineering work it needs to be a better product even if it doesn't work for him there that's fine and that's the way they worked
1: it, it, it worked like that yeah like the decision huh. was was left to engineers you know you know they they trusted you know the organization to do the right things like to so then why do own- you
0: leave a company that pays you well, right? You did well with stock because you were at a great time there and gives you that kind of freedom and that kind of impact to go start Rubric, your own business back in 2014. Why'd you leave? Well, I mean, one thing is I actually,
1: I didn't leave for a long time. Like I actually spent more time, I more than double the time at Google than I spent at all my companies before that. So it was, mm-hmm. it was a great place. So I was, I had no um, intentions to leave as such. I think the, again, like I said, the the journey of rubric was sort of accidental, you know, where, you know, we, you know, like, you know, a friend of mine and uh, who's the CEO there, um, he and I met and we, you know, we were just thinking, you know, like we started to talk about problems, you know, that like he was actually, uh, he was an investor before that. So he would, he would actually be more in touch with like figuring out like you know what are the problems that are still you know being unsolved in the in the in the marketplace one of the things okay. you know at that time like in 20, 2013 uh 2014 was that all the attention in you know in the tech world was on consumer companies like you had the uber and airbnb and all these great names but like there was not as much attention being paid to like how to solve problems for businesses and yeah. there's one particular problem that like was so hard for businesses to keep their data safe it it was it was an area where there were no new no innovation no new company, you know businesses had to use like two decade old products, and so so it's just like you know the problem sort of came you know you know in front of us and we felt hey like you know maybe we should you know go and solve it and so part of it was also just trying to you know doing something new like you know for a long time you know being at at Google so that that that's sort of what happened there.
0: All right. I love the I love that you keep getting these great domains. Like rubric is just rubric.com. Glean is just glean.com, which is such a good name. You're just gleaning information from everything and then making it more presentable. Do you think at some point that you're going to go down to small, medium-sized businesses, or do you think this has to be an enterprise business?
1: We already work with um uh sort of medium-sized companies. Uh, actually, like com- companies that like, see, this problem actually. It impacts everyone whether you are a 10 person company or a 50 person or a 100 person um right now just like you know from a like how we can scale our business what's sort of like you know based on our limited um like headcount limited sort of mm-hmm. you know uh staffing in the company we tend to focus more on mid mid and large size companies but that includes like actually when i when I say mid i'm actually talking about companies with 200 people like we work with you know many of those um and, And over time, certainly we would want every company in the world, whether, you know, you're a 5-person company or 10-person or 10,000-person company, we would want all of them to use clean.
0: This is a huge problem. I don't know why others hadn't jumped into it. I'm glad that you're in it. I feel like it's a problem that a lot of people have. I would even suggest that one-person companies would have that problem where, you know, there's a thing that somebody has done, you know, you've, but where is it? where is it across all these different places and frankly sometimes it's in like the old task software and now you're using a new task software sometimes it's like in google docs because that's where you used to keep your notes yeah. and now it's in notion because that's the funner place to use it and yeah where is it all right well congratulations on what you're doing with glean i'm excited to see that you're that you're building this solution i'm looking forward to it just spreading and spreading and spreading thanks Thank you so much, Andrew, for for having me. It was a fun conversation. Thanks, Arvind. And thank you to my two sponsors. Again, if you're looking to pay your people, contractors, employees, wherever they are, I urge you to go and check out Gusto. Like I and many of my guests have done, go to gusto.com slash Mixergy to use it for free and for a limited time. And if you want to hire developers, talk to the people at lemon. Lemon.io slash Mixergy. Great company. Thank you. Thank you, Arvind. Bye, everyone.